0: Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. So we are talking about uh, spiritual warfare, talking about angels and demons and and heaven and hell, and we've talked about Angels 101, we've talked about Demons 101, and now we're... Uh, talking about heaven today, uh, so hopefully you've been excited about waiting to talk about heaven. I know that you uh, have been waiting all week for heaven, but um, and these technical difficulties are pretty awesome, by the way. There we go. There we go. Um, so heaven. Let me give you a definition. It's in your in your bulletin there, but heaven is a place where God's throne is, the location of God's presence. That heaven is where God's presence is. And while God is uh, omnipresent, while God is everywhere, you could say that localized that God's presence is in heaven. Uh, it's where he lives. It's where, as we looked at Isaiah chapter 6, and we looked at Revelation, where these beings that exist that just call out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory that there's this, this place where, where these things go on. And it's also where Christ followers who have died, who have left this earth and gone Uh, on uh, or with God in that place in spirit, and one day we'll be uh, given resurrected bodies. And so uh, that's where we're talking about. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But uh, if you've been around our society for any amount of time, you realize that we have a fascination with heaven, and maybe you're fascinated with heaven. Uh, Maybe it was just kind of like a little buzz a few years ago, but if you remember the story Heaven is for Real, the book Heaven is for Real, the kid that went to heaven we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning uh, because we are, are fascinated with heaven. You can see in your notes there, um, just kind of just some statistics. This is from Lifeway that they put together. Uh, it's pretty telling a little bit uh, that you look at the statistics there that uh, that as overall that heaven is a real place, that um, many Americans, more than half of them, 67% of them would say that heaven is a real place, while 45%... Uh, say that there are many ways to heaven. And, and I want you to look at those numbers as you go down there. It's pretty interesting. Um, as you get to evangelicals, which we would say that we're evangelical, that 90% say that, uh, that heaven is a real place. Uh, and 19% of would say that there are many ways to heaven, which means that there, a lot of them would say there's only one way to heaven. And we'll talk more about that this morning. Uh, but we are at this high level uh, talking about Heaven this morning, and there's a lot that we can talk about. And as we said with demons, as we said with angels, uh, this is just like a 101, like an intro kind of class. It'll give you a lot of scripture that you can go back and you can study yourself and you can dig into it. Uh, so we're going to hit a lot of things this morning, but there's also a lot of things that we won't get a chance to, to talk about. You know, like what happens when we die? You know, where do we go? What is heaven all about? What does it look like? And, and really, for some people, why does it matter? Why is this a big deal? Uh, it's a big deal because none of us are going to be exempt, that all of us in this room, welcome to Sunday morning, are going to die. <laughs> uh, we're, gonna, we're going to cease to exist in this world, and we're going to exist somewhere else, and so it's important that we understand it. It's important that we talk about it. Uh, let me give you this. This is uh, 1A. I had to put our notes on the front of your bulletin. Normally, we don't do that on the study guide, I mean. Uh, But I had to do that because we have just a lot to do. And I made this chart and I wanted to show it off, you know, so that's why that's on the inside. But for this, for every one American who believes he is going to hell, there are 120 who believe they're going to heaven. That many people believe in heaven, fewer people believe in hell, but most people who believe in heaven believe that they will be there or probably will be there one day. Uh, But you need to understand this, and this is important, and this will also play into next week, that heaven is not our default destination uh, while you, you understand what I'm saying it's not like it's not a given that you know just because you're here, or just because you go to church or just because you're a good person, just because you exist and God is good and God is loving, uh, many people will believe, well of course I'll be in heaven because God is good and he's loving and of course it will uh, but you have to understand that heaven is not our default destination. it's not where you're going to go automatically. Matthew, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 7 enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. And he goes on, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Those are pretty hard words. But that's the reality, that heaven is not our default destination. It's not just like, well, of course, of course we'll be there. That many people think that they're on the path that leads to life, on the path that leads to heaven... But they find out as you look at Scripture that that's not the case. That Jesus says in other places that many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things in your name? Didn't we? He's like, I don't know you. And that's kind of (laughs) scary. Not kind of, that's scary. And it's a big deal, and that's why we need to get these things right. That's why we need to understand what Scripture says. That's why we need to not look at what other people's experiences are in the sense of, like, I had this near-death experience, and I saw this thing, and I heard this thing, and this is what they told me. But to look at the Word of God, which is the truth, and be able to say, this is really where it's at. This is really the truth in my life. Not what somebody else said. Not even what I say. So much as, if I'm not speaking the Word of God, then we might as well just go home. That what does God have to say that heaven is not our default destination? And we're going to dig into that in a few moments. This is the last thing before we really get into it, that we need to be raising up a generation of Christ followers who are so heavenly minded that they'll do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. And I don't say that in the sense of we need to, like this whole candy row that we have here, uh, that, about raising them up. I mean, that is a generation that we need to be bringing up and, and, and pointing them to Jesus and telling them about the things that we're talking about today. But I'm saying that there are people in our church, y'all, who, who we need to be investing in to be bringing up a generation. That if we're not about making disciples who make disciples, then we have not gotten it Right? Right? That if we're not we don't we have not caught a vision that that it's not just the pastor's job to do it, but it is my job to make disciples who make disciples. I have not done my job. Because the call on all of our lives, if you call yourself a Christ follower, the great commission is your commission. That as you are going, make disciples. And it doesn't say, as you are going, in Matthew 28, it doesn't say, as you are going, get people, to, get people saved, get people to, to pray a prayer. It says, as you are going, make disciples. Teaching them to obey. Baptizing them. This idea of that, uh, that I'm not just saying, hey, pray a prayer, come to church, and, and you're going to be good, you're going to be heaven bound, and it's going to be okay. But that I make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. We're plan A. There is no plan B. That should be our heartbeat. That should be where our mind is focused, that we need to be so heavenly minded that we're going to do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. And as we've learned in real life discipleship, as we learned in our lives, that there is roles to play, that that God plays a role in that. They play a role in that. I play a role in that, that I can't change your heart. I can't convince you. I can't argue you into the kingdom, but I can tell you the truth. I can share with you what God says and pray that God will change your heart. Pray that you will respond to God's call in your life. Colossians 3, it's not on the screen, but you can write this down. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on on earth. And I think what has happened is, even in our own selves, if we're honest, that our focus, kind of like what we strive after are things that don't matter. That next big promotion, that next big check, that next car, that next device, that next, that next, that next. And what Paul says in Colossians and when we see through all the scriptures, that everything you see around you, it doesn't matter. Meaning every material thing that you see doesn't matter. The people that you see around you, they matter. And that we need to be investing accordingly. Accordingly that we can get so caught up on this world that we forget about what comes next. And I hope today, my prayers for you today is that you'll be reminded of that and that it it would stir something within you to change the way that you talk to people, to change the way that you interact with people, to change the relationships that you have, that you get past talking about the weather, get past talking about sports, which is important to building a relationship, but you get past that and talk about what really matters. I think uh, if you ever read the book Heaven Is for Real, or you've seen those ninety minutes and some other—I don't know, like I don't even know the titles—but there's book after book after book that people are fascinated with what comes next, and people that have said, "Well, I've been there, and I was outside of my body, and I looked at this, and I saw that, and I heard that, and I went to heaven." And I said, "The problem with a lot of those things is if you read them or you read reviews on them, they're never really God-centric. It's all about me and my experience and." Like, to me, that you, it screams that I'm just making up a story. You know, Alex Malarkey, which I think is a, is it irony that that's his last name? I don't know. But his dad is the one that wrote Heaven is for Real about his son, Alex. So Alex Malarkey, uh, <laughs> pun intended, I guess, wrote this follow-up response. So if you remember the book, this is what he wrote after it. So this is like in 2000. 10 or 11 or 12 that the book came out, so it happened even before that, and so he writes this follow-up response that I think is very important that you hear. He said outright, I did not die, I did not go to heaven. If you read the book, that's what he says, he did go to heaven, he saw different things, he saw family members, he saw all kinds of stuff. He said, I said when I went to heaven, I said that I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I never read the Bible. I mean, he was six at the time. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. Anything written by man can be infallible. Those who market these materials must be called to repent and hold the Bible as enough. And so what we see is that often we're chasing after these things in this story and tell me about that that we can go to the Word of God and get the truth. For our lives. And yet we want to chase after, but what's the next cool thing? What's that story? What's, what, so you went to heaven, you die. Well, Just go back to the word of God, that God has given us all that we need for life and for godliness in his word. I mean, do we believe that? We say in this room that we believe that, but when it comes to our life, do we believe that? And and the reason, the way that we know that we believe that is that we go back to His Word when things are tough, when things are easy, when we don't understand, when we want to grow, when we want to be transformed. Are we spending time in the Word? We know with our heads that it's important. We know in our heads that it's the truth. But when it really, if you really want to know what you really believe about the Word of God, look at your life, look at the checkbook of your time. How much time are you investing in spending time with God? How much time are you investing because you only have 86, 400 seconds in a day, as the song would say? How much of those eighty four hundred, whatever I just said, 86, 400 seconds, how many of those are you investing in your relationship with God? How many of those are you investing in spending time in the word of God? Is God an afterthought? Is His Word an afterthought? Is other things? Am I hungering after these other things because they're they're way more flashy than me investing time? Because in a relationship, it takes time, it takes sacrifice, doesn't it? Think about if you're married. Think about if you're if you're dating someone, or for you who just have a, a friendship with somebody. It just it just takes time and commitment and sacrifice. The same thing is true in my relationship with God. It doesn't just happen. I don't say, yeah, I read the Bible once, so I'm good, right? It takes time engaging God in prayer. And God, I just I need you today. Or God, I'm so, so thankful for all that you are and all that you. God, I just I just want to worship you. I think we have we can easily cross over that line where we just get comfortable and we don't care. And, and until things get bad, God will 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 check back in when we need you. If I can encourage you with one thing today which there's going to be more than one thing, but if I can encourage you, the one thing is get in the word and let the word get into you. Be a challenge to be changed, to be transformed by Christ through his word as you open up your life to what God has to say. That read it and believe it and live it. One of the things I challenge in our real life discipleship and our small groups is if we would just do the things that we already know, the things that we already understand, it would change our lives. I think sometimes we, and this is not a knock on Bible studies, because Bible studies are important, and reading your Bible and studying your Bible is very important. But if we would just do the things that we already know to do, it would be life-changing. It would be transformative. It will change your marriage. It will change your home. It will change your life. It will change your relationships. It will change your friendships. If you just do what you know God has called you to do already. That's not anything about heaven. (laughs) We'll eventually get back to my notes here. But there's so much that we can understand about heaven, more than we can talk. If you have questions, you can always, you can me- message us on Facebook. You can e- send me an email. You can, I take smoke signals, anything like that. So if there are things that you want to know about that maybe we don't touch on today, you can, you can follow up with that. And, and if I can, I can even talk about them next week. Uh, I want you to understand as we talk about heaven and we talk about hell, those can become controversial topics, uh, not just inside the church, outside the church, but also within the church. Uh, because there, there are plenty of people who um, love Jesus, just like you love Jesus, who have different uh, understandings of Scripture, especially when it comes to, to things uh, that are to come. Uh, and so my encouragement to you is that you have grace. Uh, because uh, if you are truly are a student of the Word, um, there are certain things that you will grow in. Uh, that you, Theology is very important. Uh, but you have to understand as you understand the word more and more, your theology might tweak and might change. And like, well, I really believed this, but now I kind of believe that. Uh, and I, I want you to understand that it's okay, as, but not when it comes to the big things. Like, we don't just say, well, I believed that Jesus is God, but <laughs> I don't really believe that anymore. Well, then that's a problem. Uh, but if you're talking about, well, I thought it was going to be that Jesus was going to return at the, at the rapture, but now I'm not quite sure. Those kind of things we can talk about. And that may blow your mind, and I don't want you to storm the stage or anything like that. But I want you to understand that there's, there's to me, and I'll explain why, but there's, there's a little bit of wiggle room and a little bit of latitude because there are people that are respected and people who love Jesus just like you do that, that, that will read Scripture, especially about end, end of days kind of things and final days and all that stuff. And will say, but, but what about this and what about that? And I think we need to have grace with each other um, because uh, we don't know everything. I don't know everything, and I think sometimes we can get so hung up on what is to come that we're no good here and now. Uh, You have people in your life that are like, let me tell you the roadmap of what's going to happen for it, and like, you don't, you think you know, but you don't know, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. I won't get on that rabbit trail. Let me give you the, um, let me give you this. Uh, So I put this together uh, because I think that this is the best way that I can Describe it uh, and, and help us to understand it. Uh, I'm going to walk up here a little bit more. So hopefully you still see me way back here. But, uh, so in case you're wondering, on this, this timeline, this is where you are right now. You see it all that you are here. Uh, it's also in your study guide. But the next event-ish that is going to happen is, is going to be death. And so that, uh, again, we're so glad that you're here on Sunday morning and we're telling you're going to die. But that's the reality that you all face. That's the reality that I, that I face. Is that, that one day you will die, one day you will stop breathing, one day you will leave this earth and you will exist somewhere else. And it's important that we understand scripture like this from Hebrews, and just as it is appointed uh, for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. That what we see in scripture very clearly is that this is your first chance, your second chance, your last chance, this is it. That you don't get to leave this world and say, you know what, my bad, (laughs) I get it now, I want to repent, I get it now, I made a mistake. That this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to follow after Christ. And really what we're talking about is, because what happens after you, you die is you come to judgment of faith. And what we're talking about here very clearly and succinctly is what did you do with Jesus? No matter what your career is, no matter how driven you are to do other things, no matter how successful or unsuccessful you are in any realm that you're in, any sphere of influence that you're in, the bottom line, what it comes down to is what did you do with Jesus? That if you are a student of the Word, if you even open your Bible, you will see that Jesus is really doesn't give you many options. That Jesus will tell you that He is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the One, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, and that no one can come to the Father except through Him. And so you stand, even in this moment, you, have, you make this stand and either say that He is a liar that he's out of his mind, that he's, he, he's just, he was a prophet that got a little too heady, that he's a liar, or he's Lord. Because he doesn't give you an, any other wiggle room. It's not like, well, you can, you can believe that I was a prophet and a good teacher, and you can just be a good person, and it will all work out. Jesus doesn't give you the option to just say that he was a good person that he was a good teacher, that he was a prophet. It's either you're going to say, the stuff that I read in the Bible is just a lie, and you figure it out yourself, or you say, no, (laughs) he is Lord. And all that he said is true, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and through him I can have forgiveness of my sin. And this is the opportunity that you have because the reality is in your life, the reality is in my life, is Romans 3.23, is that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's your reality, and that's my reality. None of us is good enough. None of us is sinless. If I could share one verse, if you could share one verse, if you could memorize one verse to be able to share the gospel clearly and succinctly, this is the verse. Because in this one verse, you can talk about where people are spiritually in this moment, but talk about how good God is and what God has done. Because Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. That what you deserve and what I deserve, what you have earned and what I have earned because of sin, is death. That we are separated from God forever, spiritually, because of sin. And people, God doesn't send people to to hell. People are go to hell because of their sin. Their sin is what separates. And say, "Well, God is a good God." Yeah, God is a good God, and God is a just God. And you look at the rest of this verse, and it shows you how good and how just God is. And really, not how just He is, how good and loving He is. But, but God. But the free gift of God. And understand that free is something that we can't wrap our minds around because what we think and what we believe is that we've got to do something. There's nothing free in this world, right? You can't, I mean, of course, you, what's, it, what's the catch? You've said that to people. I've, people call me on the phone all the time, and it, they're annoying, but like, you know, okay, so what do I have to do to, to get this million dollar, whatever it is you're promising me? What's the catch? There is no catch. In the sense that, that God the Father holds out Jesus the Son and says, This is my Son, who lived a perfect life and who died in your place. That it is my gift to you to redeem you, to buy you back. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. And with that one verse, you can clearly share the Gospel John 3.16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. A verse that you've seen in the end zones of football games, a verse that you can probably quote yourself. That God loved you so much that He gave. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is Jesus. It is Christ alone. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't give you the out to say, I'm a way, but if you find a better way, then go with that and that's okay. Okay. That's not popular, and that doesn't preach well, <laughs> like you, like hanging out with your friends. It, it probably doesn't preach very well or speak very well. But that's the truth, and the truth is the truth, whether you believe it or not. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And I say all that to say that if you get back to where we were, that that's all that matters when it comes to this judgment of faith. The question is, what did you do with Jesus? And that answer determines what comes next. That answer determines for all eternity what happens. That's why it is such a big deal. That's why there should be this sense of urgency with people in your life who don't have faith in Christ. And if you're a Christ follower, there should be a sense of urgency within you that I need to tell them. I need to live this out. Because they can step out of this world and into eternity and be judged by faith. And if you walk into this judgment, you say, I'm here on my own merit, on my good works, on being a good person, on giving away, on serving, on on doing all this good stuff. It doesn't matter. That my righteousness, your righteousness, the things that you can do are like filthy rags. They're gross, they're disgusting. Even the best person you can think of needs to be born again. The worst person you can think of needs to be born again. Yeah, but what about, they're so great and they were so nice and they sacrificed their entire life and gave all that, yeah, but are they born again? Do they know Christ? Do they have a relationship with Jesus? No, but they were really good. That's not fair. Don't ever say that's not fair, (laughs) because it'll get you in trouble when it comes to God, because the reality I've shared with you before is if I want to tell God that that's not fair, God will say, well, the fair thing is that you go to hell. <laughs> well, that's not nice. <laughs> but it's because of our sin. It's because sin has separated us from God. It's really the fair thing is that we would be separated from him and that God would do nothing about it if he want fair. But God. And that's the good news. And that's the thing that we have to share with the world that is lost and looking for the answer. The answer is Jesus. And so for many of us, I think we've been around that answer for so long that we kind of like, yeah, for the wages of sin is death, because God has turned left. Tell me, I'm not, like, I, even myself, I catch myself that if I don't stop and I read Romans 6.23 and just stop and think about the reality of what God has done, that God didn't have to do. It should drive you to your knees. Say, God, you are so good, and I'm so undeserving that you would do everything to make it possible for me to be forgiven. I think sometimes we can walk in pride and be like, of course. I mean, why wouldn't God save me? But we speak the truth in love. We preach Christ and Him crucified. We speak that it is not Jesus plus, it is Jesus, period. Maybe I should get a shirt that says <laughs> that you don't add to it and say, because imagine somebody giving you a gift and you're like, oh, great, thanks. I'm going to add some more money so I can get something better. No, it's, this is the gift and it's free. And so if you step into eternity without faith in Christ, your eternity is set. If you step into eternity with faith in Christ, your eternity is set. What you do here makes all the difference. What decisions you make here and now make all the difference, period. There is no second chance. There is no, hey, I'll work my way out. It just, it, it's not the way that it is. And that's why we should take this seriously. That's why our our relationships matter. That's why we need to make disciples who make disciples because this is such a big deal. Eternity hangs in the balance. And we can be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good at all in people's lives because we're worried about the next thing and about the next promotion and about the next, 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 next thing, pushing people out of our way and stepping on people to get to that thing that really won't matter in the end. And so, at the judgment of faith, you look at it that way, that you have trusted in Christ, uh, that you will enter into what we will call the present heaven, where God's presence is. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, in that place, really, heaven is where God is. And so, you will be with Him, with true saving faith, with those scenes that we've seen from Isaiah 6 and others of just these beings and Again, to even understand it, your brain melts and you don't quite get it, but to know that you will be with God. The next thing on the timeline would be the return of Christ, where Jesus returns. put an end to all things, and I'm going to put a little caveat there, uh, whatever that word, a carrot, to say for a minute. That uh, before the return of Christ, uh, you have people uh, we've taught this in this church that believe in the rapture, will, where Christ will, will come in the clouds and will uh, remove the church. Everyone who is our true believers will, will be taking up in the blink of an eye and uh, will uh, be with him and not have to walk through the tribulation. And we teach that. Uh, we believe that. I will personally share where I'm at with that because uh, I had a professor one time, which I, I believe. Uh, He said, I I believe in the rapture. I believe that we'll be taken up and and we'll not have to go through the tribulation that's to come uh, before Christ returns. I believe that and I'm uh, I'm ready for that, but I'm also planning if that's not the way that it is. And I think that that's very wise because you have, this is my opinion, but you have people that look at the same scripture that, that you look at and that I look at and they say, yeah, but what about this? Uh, there are, so there are people that are, re, that are respectable, that love Jesus, that, that are on the same journey with us that would say there is no rapture. People that would say that, that believers will have to go through the first uh, three and a half years and then they'll be taken out. People that believe they'll have to go through the whole tribulation. And there's, there's different views about that. And different, There's all kinds of things that have to do with the end times. There are different ways, three or four different ways that people even look at the book of Revelation. And most of them would say, I truly am a Christ follower, uh, but this is how I understand it. And I'm saying that we just need to be respectful of each other and love each other and, and say, okay. Because none of us, I don't think any of us have the corner on this. And this is where I think we need to be careful because I have people in my life that, that they get so obsessed. Oh, this is this and this is that and this thing is happening and that person is the Antichrist. and this is, But Matt, you go back to World War Something with that Hitler guy. And, and you, you got it like, that's the Antichrist. And then you fast forward a little bit and now there's this person. Well, that's the Antichrist. I had a the guy that you probably even know that's like a well-respected guy that said the Prime Minister of England was the Antichrist at one point. I'm like, to me, my opinion, this is my opinion, it doesn't matter. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't understand it. Doesn't mean that we should be. It's part of the Word of God. But what, I'm, what I hear my heart in this when I say it doesn't matter, hear my heart, is that we can be so obsessed with what's going to happen, that we're no good right now, that we can be so obsessed. Oh, oh look, oh look at that, oh look at that, we don't chase after those things. My heart, personally and my heart for you, is that you would just surrender your life to Christ, so that no matter what happens, you'll be surrendered to Christ. So that if the rapture happens, hallelujah, Amen, we don't have to go through it, but if it doesn't, and we're in the tribulation, God, I trust you. If we have to walk through, the, I trust you, whatever. Whatever. Because you can imagine if you say, well, this is the way that it's gonna be and it doesn't happen that way. You're like, oh, <laughs> And then your faith, I mean, where are you? In the struggle that you have. God, I trust you. If I have to walk through that, whatever. As long as I know that you're in charge, which you are, and you're in control, which you are, I trust you. And I'm gonna be sold out no matter what happens. And we need to stop, stop worrying about those kinds of things, and again, hear my heart. Don't like eschatology is is a, is a thing, and it, it's important. So don't hear me say that's not important. But hear my heart is that if that, if what is to come is way more important than my relationship with God now, that's a problem. Because heaven is for real, hell is for real. That people's eternities, people's lives hang in the balance. And sometimes we can sit in rooms and we can argue about things that really don't matter. All the while, we'll learn this next week, 144,000 today, 144,000 people today. This is not 144,000 in Revelation. I'm telling you, based on numbers, about 150,000 people will step into eternity today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and what are we doing to make disciples what are we doing to help people to understand that jesus is the way the truth and the life what are we doing what are we living it's so important because the reality is and i want to say this too because i had a professor he and i didn't agree uh he was probably the worst professor to take the book of revelation with because we did not agree about anything uh, and he was an annihilationist. And I don't think that Scripture teaches annihilation, meaning that when you leave this world, uh, if you were wicked, if you were sinful, if you were, didn't have a relationship with God, you would just cease to exist. I don't think that's Scripture. That we, you and I, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, will exist somewhere for all eternity, one of two places, either with God or away from God. That's why this is such a big deal. Not so that we can sit around like, hey, look, look at the stuff I learned about heaven. Isn't it great? But this should, it should stir something within you as a Christ follower to say, I need to speak up. I need to do something because my friend doesn't know Christ and they need to know Christ. So after the return and after everything is gone through the tribulation, and this is kind of really high level, trust me, Uh, There's other things in there that there's a a judgment to come, the judgment seat of Christ for believers. We'll talk about the other stuff next week. Uh, But the judgment seat of Christ, we are judged uh, based on uh, our life here and and the gifts that we receive and the crowns that we receive. And I think the cool thing is, maybe the the cool reality that you need to have and that I need to have is that the crowns that we get, we cast back at the feet of Jesus. I don't think we walk around heaven like, yeah, (laughs) look how... It's just, if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't even have this. If it weren't, God, you're just so worthy of everything that I am. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And uh, you can look at that even at the end of of Revelation. We've got to hurry along because I just kept talking about stuff. So what will heaven be like? Uh, Sometimes you get this in your mind. Um, Can you read that? (laughs) I wish I would have brought a magazine. Sometimes I think that that's how we feel about heaven, that we'll get there and like, oh, we got to we got to worship God again. huh? All right. Just sit on this cloud and play a harp. But that's not what it's going to be like. But that you will worship and you will serve God. I will worship and I will serve God. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 says that no longer will there be anything accursed but the, but the throne of God and, and of the Lamb will be in it and His servants will worship Him. There will be no more pain, no more crying, no more mourning, no more death. Revelation 21, 4 says He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It'll be a place of great beauty and awe. It'll be a place of sinless perfection. There it is. Sinless perfection forever. Revelation twenty-one, twenty-seven says, But nothing unclean will enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the reality that you are faced with is that you can't even describe or imagine what it will be like. That even the way that you perceive things now, you will see much more clearly then. It will be totally different. That you will be in the presence of God much more than you're in the presence of God now. You'll be overwhelmed. I don't think that you'll have to be told, hey, you need to worship God. (laughs) But a place of peace and rest and satisfaction and love and ultimately God. And so let's make it real. Uh, I didn't make these fill-ins because they're important, that you need to surrender to Christ. And we talked about the gospel. We've talked about next steps. And the next step is that if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, which is the most important decision you'll ever make, if you don't have, if you've never done that, that's where you need to start. And for some of you who say, yeah, I've done that, I'm telling you it doesn't stop there. It's not just like, yeah, I prayed that prayer. I got my fire insurance. I'm good. But where you say, you know what, uh, I need to grow in this. I need to be transformed. I need to not only believe, but I, I need God to, to change me from the inside out and to change who I am. And so if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, it needs to start there. And we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to make that, help make that clear in your life uh, because that's important. That's the most important. The second thing is, is that you need to follow Christ heavenly minded. Follow Jesus with eternity in mind that you live your life Uh, It's important that you provide for your family and those kind of things for sure, but that's not my goal. My goal is that, God, whatever you want in my life, that's what I do. That I surrender all in all my spheres of influence because the reality is that all the money that I make and all the things that I have will burn up one day. But you and I will exist somewhere for all eternity. And what you do here and now makes all the difference. The last thing is that you need to grow in transformation. I was kind of talking about this, but this is the heart of it is that you need to grow up in your relationship with God. Uh, don't be satisfied with having just prayed a prayer and being an infant for the rest of your life because that's not God's call on your life. God's call in your life is that you would be a parent, that you would be a disciple who's making disciples. It doesn't mean that you're going to be there overnight, like, yeah, I got it all figured out, but the, God... I'm going to take a step toward Christ's likeness today. I'm going to take a step this week, this month, this season. I'm going to grow. And I'm because as we've already said, you're either growing toward Christ or you're growing away. So don't be satisfied with just saying, yeah, I'm good, right? I'm okay. Can you coast through and be a Christ follower? Yeah, you could probably coast through and, and still make it to heaven if you want to look at it that way. But when Jesus says to follow me and I will make you fishers of men, when he says to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, that's his call in your life. Not just to, hey, just squeak by. Just do the bare minimum that you can and we'll hope for the best. That there's a God who loves you, that has given all, and He is deserving of our worship and He's deserving of our all. Mm